0: Alignment is the most critical factor in understanding the relationship between your inner world and your outer world. Because when you're misaligned, you feel tenuous and there's kind of a discrepancy between what you're seeing and how you're feeling. And often that comes with results that you're unaware of. I think of the subconscious patterns that people put themselves through when they're not aware to the degree in which something external needs to happen for them to wake up. Alignment is that factor, but it's really hard to know whether you are aligned or not. But it doesn't start with anything external. You have to clean up your act first internally. Alignment starts with how you feel. So you could start right now. You could be living in a 500 square foot closet in the tenderloin of San Francisco and feel like you're in a palace. Like you literally have control over that. And then that's when things start to come to you and when you have that mindset. But that's really hard to do when we're just hammered with all of these detrimental external factors that tell us we are not it. I am not doing enough. The alignment starts here. It doesn't start somewhere out there.
1: Welcome to Emergence Now, the podcast where we explore breakthroughs in self-discovery, leadership, innovation, and technology. Join hosts, Diren and Nikos. As two passionate entrepreneurs, we draw from our diverse backgrounds in business, technology, health, and spirituality. With Emergence Now, you'll get a fresh take on leveling up every aspect of your life and the principles you need to navigate an increasingly complex world we dive deep into topics like creativity, the future of AI, biohacking, inner game, and so much more to share our insights and experiences and the latest research on how to attain new levels of achievement, productivity, and awareness. So sit back, relax, and get ready to explore the future of humanity with us. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur a thought leader, or simply curious about what lies within and how it impacts everything around you. Emergence Now is what you've been waiting for. Let's dive in.
0: Nikos, how are you? Diren, doing well, my friend. Here we are again.
1: What time is it there?
0: It's 8.20 in the morning. So
1: for our listeners, Nikos is in Chicago. I'm in Dubai. And uh, scheduling has been interesting. But here we are. All right. So, Nikos, today, I was thinking maybe we can go a little deeper on the concept of the emergent mindset. Let's take our listeners deeper into this concept. And maybe we can talk about the inner world and the outer dominion, the balance between those two. So I'll pass it on to you. Any thoughts on that balance?
0: Yeah, most definitely. It's quite an interesting subject, just because we're all here living our lives and people aren't quite aware that our internal world happens to be separated from our outer world. Yes, of course, we take a lot of input and we're reacting to certain things, but often people may feel a disconnect with what they're seeing outside or in the mirror versus what they see inside. And this is definitely perpetuated by social media. The media has actually been doing this for a very long time, but I'd like to address that disconnect. It's that space between what you see in the world versus how you feel. And those two often are very much separated. So the inner world, once you have awareness of what you're feeling and how you're reacting to certain things, and we touched on awareness last time, but it really takes a lot of focus in order to do that. It takes a lot of meditation. It takes a lot of observation of your thoughts. It's work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, it's also a form of surrender, just because the outer world takes a really long time to coincide with the inner world. And so the best that you can do is to create more space, to surrender to the moment, to open yourself up, be open-minded, and then really start to explore what that means for you and observe the times when you're not feeling as great You're looking at yourself in the mirror, I do this exercise with myself, am I Nikos at 6 this morning or am I Nikos at 9 or am I Nikos at 10? And very rarely am I feeling like I'm 10 and you probably feel this way too. It's like you're either in God mode, you're either in God mode like right in the middle like three hours into a workout and you're like that's the only time I'm really like a 9.5. After that, the endorphins tend to like linger on and other times I dial back down to like a 7 or a 6. So. Those are the times when you need to just observe yourself and the mindset that you have. And our listeners, our fellow entrepreneurs will feel this all the time, right? What I'm seeing, even after I've achieved some kind of level of success, and the miserable billionaire is the perfect example of this, right? (laughs) I have achieved absolutely everything in my life that I've wanted to achieve, but why do I still feel as empty as I've always been before? It's because they didn't do that kind of inner work. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about that.
1: Yeah, it's this whole notion of doing versus being. I think this whole hustle culture has tied our worth to the hustle. But the reality is our productivity doesn't define us. It's our existence that defines us. But because of everything that's happening around us, we get swallowed into that hustle mindset. And I think what it really comes down to if we can get really tactical, right, and draw on the figures, the leaders that we've grown to admire, right? If you think about, let's say, Nelson Mandela, as an example, throughout his life, he has demonstrated an emergence mindset. And I think a big part of how he did that was by focusing on his values, his beliefs, behaviors, and made adjustments that led to a greater alignment between the outer world and the inner world. So Nelson Mandela was deeply committed to values of freedom, equality, justice, which he developed during his years in captivity, right? And throughout his life, He fought tirelessly for the liberation of people, the establishment of a democratic, multiracial South Africa. So he endured decades of imprisonment, but his unwavering commitment to his values sustained him through even the deepest and darkest adversity. So I think when it comes to that emergent mindset and aligning the outer world with the inner world, we have all these filters that we experience our three-dimensional reality with. It's how can we push and really be intentional with having our values be the primary filter to begin with. Of course, you can't speak about Nelson Mandela without talking about Beyonce. (laughs) Quite the transition. (laughs) But even her, right? I mean, we celebrate her as this phenomenal artist and performer, but she's demonstrated a lot of alignment between her inner world and her outer world. And she does it through her platform. She talks about social injustice, gender equality, racial injustice, and through her music and her personal life, she speaks about important topics. So it's using values to actually align or leveraging and leaning on our values to align our inner world with our outer world. I think that's one approach to that alignment. What are your thoughts?
0: Alignment is probably the most critical factor in understanding the relationship between your inner world and your outer world because when you're misaligned, you feel something you feel tenuous, and there's a discrepancy between what you're seeing and how you're feeling. And often that comes with results that you're unaware of. I think of the subconscious patterns that people put themselves through when they're not aware to the degree in which something external needs to happen for them to wake up. It's the alcoholic, Mm -hmm. it's the person that's in vicious cycles, or in poor relationships, in toxic relationships, and they just keep doing it over and over again until they break out of that cycle. So I feel like alignment is that factor, but it's really hard to know whether you are aligned or not. But it doesn't start with anything external. You have to clean up your act first. It always starts with how you feel. And especially for the folks that are in the hustle culture and are always doom scrolling on Instagram, looking at these young Bitcoin millionaires that take photo shoots in private jets and they're like, well, I don't have that yet. And I haven't dialed into that feeling as to attracting more of that stuff. And then you end up just seeing a lot of lack, right? All you see is what I don't have. And then it becomes a question of, and not it. And so that's the problem with the mind, is that the mind is very divisive. It just always divides things into two. This is it and this is not it. I'm looking at social media. I'm looking at Gary Vee stuff and he, like, and I am not there. I am not it. What do I need to do in order to get there? And that creates that misalignment. But alignment starts with how you feel. So you could start right now. You could be living in a 500 square foot closet in the tenderloin of San Francisco and feel like you're in a palace. Like You literally have control over that. And then that's when things start to come to you and when you have that mindset. But that's really hard to do when we're just hammered with all of these detrimental external factors that tell us we are not it. I am not enough. I am not doing enough. But it really starts. The alignment starts here. It doesn't start somewhere out there.
1: But it takes a really strong individual, right? Like You have to be really clear on what you want. And who you are, what your values... I keep coming back to values because it's tangible. It's something that you can... I mean, deep down inside, we know who we are. And every time we compromise on our values, we commit this moral shortcoming. And if we do that enough times, it then impacts how we feel. So to me, it's alignment and values because values... Gives us direction. It reconfirms and validates what we stand for and what we won't tolerate. And at the same time, when we're living our values, we have that alignment between how we feel or lack of alignment between how we feel and our values. Because again, to me, it's so fundamental in our being that it creates
0: our reality. Have you noticed your values change throughout the course of your life, though? And what are those factors? What are the values that have remained ingrained in you from the very beginning? You could talk about like softer principles like the golden rule, I will treat my neighbor as I would treat myself and things like that. Generally, be kind to people. Yeah, no, duh. But what are some of the the harder facets of the values that you've noticed yourself either come into as a result of life-changing experiences or consciously, decided to, okay, I am going to break through this. And this goes back to the emergent mindset. I want to set a higher bar for myself, even though I'm going to struggle through this. And therefore, I am creating this emergent mindset to level up. What are some of those changes that you've experienced in your value system?
1: So, I mean, more recently, one of the values that I've really been very intentional and conscious of being aware of constantly is what's the value? The value is accountability. It's accountability to myself, like really being accountable to making sure what I say is aligned with what I do. Because oftentimes when I look back at my dark night of the soul, a common pattern between all the incidents was that what I was saying, so my priorities and my actions were not aligned. And it was at that phase in my life where no one was really holding me accountable. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. And as entrepreneurs, you would know, you can attest to this. It's lonely. We know that. But I think part of the reason or a big part of the reason why it's lonely is because we don't have anyone that holds us accountable for the most part. We talk about having a board of advisors and a board in your company, which then holds you accountable, but most entrepreneurs don't have that infrastructure in place. So accountability has been really key for me, is that alignment between my priorities and my actions. So that's one. The second value that I'm developing, it's a work in progress, is vulnerability. It's really just being honest with myself as to where I am. And not have to wear that mask and show up as someone I'm currently not. I may be working toward developing certain attributes and certain skills. But the gap between who I am and who I'm showing up as, the bigger that gap, the more energy I'm actually consuming to fund that gap. So when I started thinking about this from a vulnerability perspective, it started narrowing that gap because I gave myself permission to accept where I am and who I am. So it's this level of self-acceptance.
0: I love that. And I think that's a good segue because I think you teed it up very well is that the gaps that we create between the and not it creates the space. And you could do one of two things. You could externally pursue certain steps through principles, models, examples that you've seen in people to fill that space. I am going to take certain steps to invest $100, $500, $1,000 if I want to start investing and I want to be an angel. Or I want to take the first steps to get that body of my dream. So I'll start going to the gym 30 minutes twice a week and then I'll bump it up to an hour four times a week and then I'll progress from there or anything in business for that matter. I'll start watching a ton of YouTube videos. That's the external decision. But there's also a form of surrender, right? When you can just create the space for it and then be swept into what comes to you. And now you're getting into more of the advanced quantum principles such that you're dialed into that realm in which you can start to attract things based on the mindset that you have. And that's one big macro factor that we can continue to unpack throughout the series. But the one that I wanted to talk to you about that I know you have a strong opinion on and have some great insights around is that concept of breakthrough. When you create the space, and especially for entrepreneurs that are in the thick of it and are trying to find that gold or are having a hard time finding product market fit or trying to get to break away from their... 7 million AR year and get double that and to get to hyper growth because all they see is not it. All they see are these hyper growth SaaS companies that keep moving the needle, but they're not seeing the results that they want, so they keep externally pressing. What does breakthrough mean to you from the perspective of an emergence mindset, specifically around what we've been talking about around alignment, either filling in the gaps or being proactive? about how to take those actions, or just simply what letting go of certain things? Because it's a hard balance, especially when you're in the thick of it, in the trenches. What are your thoughts on breakthrough?
1: Yeah, that's a big topic. In terms of breakthrough, for me, whenever, if I reflect back on my journey, when I think about moments of breakthrough, it's, again, going back to this deep knowing that I'm on the right path, right? Not second-guessing myself. And I mean, it's the human journey, right? As we progress and start playing a bigger game and we continue to work on ourselves, we're going to want more. Whatever it is that we're going after, it could be an external achievement. It could be an internal achievement. Maybe it's just a greater level of self-awareness. But for me, a breakthrough when it comes to, and we'll just stick with the emergent mindset from a mindset perspective, it's knowing that the chaos in my head, the chaos that I'm going through is starting to become manageable. When I know that the voice in my head is something that I now have on a dial, I can influence, control, shut it down. That's when I know I'm having a breakthrough. In whatever the endeavor is it could be a product market fit it could be letting go of someone that hasn't been performing all these difficult situations that we find ourselves in it could be a relationship a friendship that isn't working out whatever the situation is when i know that the conversation in my head isn't chaotic i know i'm going through a breakthrough
0: yeah that really resonates with me. I tend to approach it from a state of awareness in such a way where I'm aware of, of again the two polarities of energy and how these forces materialize in my own life such that you have to look out when things are going too well almost and it's like ah uh, I I've had a really good run and I'm going to keep doing it but some things around the corner where this is just not sustainable and I could think of When I was at Rocket Fuel, which was a a media technology company of the ages, one of the very first, if not the first to pioneer machine learning for the programmatic media technology space, our chief scientist came from a Wall Street trading background in a hedge fund and applied that to media technology. Basically, the algorithm was making decisions on should we put an ad in front of this person or not, and then developed a ton of machine learning around that. Well, this blew up into a 2013 $3.2 billion market cap and I was hired as a director of product at the time and worked my way up the company but went through that entire experience thinking this is your typical Silicon Valley story of this wild ride, tons of excess in the way that we were spending money because just a ton of profit was just coming in like literally printing money. And our co-founders were overconfident in thinking that we could dominate the entire agency business and take over and everything would be automated about 10 years too early before this entire AI hype cycle. And so what happened, what ended up happening was that, let's call it hubris, just because the rocket fuel story kind of went sideways, ended up losing AR over time because the agencies that wanted control, they didn't want to fire these kids that were coming out of school. So the emergence that took place there was very interesting because the agencies came about and said, no, we're not going to relinquish control. We still want the services to be on our side. We want the billables on our side. We're not just going to feed you money and have algorithms do our jobs for us. And they were very resistant to it. And so the Rocket Fuel founders were basically like, that was a thesis they got wrong. So that ended up going sideways. We had to basically sell into Amazon to avoid chapter 11. It was seismic first actually, but then as I was watching this wild ride, it was like I could have been more aware. I'm more aware of it now in hindsight in that this is not sustainable, the type of trajectory that we were experiencing especially with the excess that I was witnessing and was privy to just with respect to how we were spending money. I was like, this is a dream, but this can't be like a sustainable business. And we see it time and time again in the WeWorks of the world that have happened. And so now I'm more aware of it than ever. It's like, how do you build those foundations such that there is the alignment upfront? But another key factor there is the notion of awareness. Are you aware of things that are happening when you're having like a bad streak? there's something around the corner that's going to make it turn around. But I just want to highlight the point that this could go the opposite direction as well. Things could be going very well for you. And I was a perfect expression of that as well. Even after we got acquired and I was hired by Seismic and then I became chief evangelist, I ran an innovation lab, the AI Institute at Seismic, and then I was just traveling all over the world. I needed to get knocked off my high horse too. I'm like, this isn't sustainable. I can't go to 24 countries and just speak around AI and fly first class and all of these things. I'm like, something's got to give. And then what ended up happening, of course, was...
1: You had that voice inside you that said something's got to give as you were going through it?
0: Yeah. As it was happening, it was an inkling though. I didn't want to put attention to it because things were going so well. Of course. The thought was there, but I didn't want the music to stop. And I think that's what people are going through right now. It's like you're aware, but you're like, nah, I'm going to ignore it because things are going too well. But the thought is there. So that leads into a conversation of, okay, what are the things that we focus on and put our energy to that ends up materializing? And that is a big question. And maybe we take that in the next episode, because that's just a deep rabbit hole that that we may not want to get into right now.
1: But talk to me about that voice really quick. Where do you think that inkling came from? Were you just being pragmatic about the fact that, okay, you know what? This can't last forever. All good things come to an end. Was it that or was it a deep intuition?
0: Yeah, I might need to meditate on that a little bit more. I think it was a little bit of both just because thoughts come from everywhere and thoughts basically rule our entire world and our perspective. And so I've always been open to possibilities, even if they are opposing one another. One was just pragmatic. I was just looking at the business performance and were we gaining traction in market the way that we wanted to? Would our investors be happy about this? Would our shareholders, which was a private equity firm and a venture debt firm at the time, so just like killer sharks that like loaned us money and we were going to go in another raise and all of these things. And I'm like, does that reflect what the bottom line is right now relative to the story that I was telling myself? And a part of me was just like, okay, there are levels to this. Here's how the business is performing. I knew that, okay, I'm going to like squeeze all the juice out of this while I can. So there was another side of me that just was like, I'm just going to kind of milk this. I'm not going to be here forever. So there was that side of it. But then also part of me was like in denial about when that day would come. And I realized exactly when that day came it's when there was this sales conference circa, I believe it was 2018. It was the year that Seismic was about to be acquired into Amazon. And I was at a sales conference and I was doing all of this like disconnected AI speaking futurist stuff that was starting to get the veer off a little bit away from the product itself. And I realized I need to kind of come down from the clouds a little bit and reorient myself to where my core strengths were, which is I am a technical solution architect and I could count on those skills because a lot of entrepreneurs know that when you are more technical and you understand the technical aspect of how your product works, then that gives you street cred with not just the organization, but your engineering teams and all of that good stuff. So I was aware of this. I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to stop talking about this like future AI stuff. I'm going to dial it back a little bit and focus on getting myself in the product, but by that time... A domino effect had already happened externally about where the company was going, such that I some parts of it were in my control, some parts of it were out of control. And I basically got ousted from the company as this really expensive, bright, shiny object of like, ah, eh, we don't need that line item on the PL anymore. He's too well paid and all he's doing is like speaking in Bangalore and all of these and all of these places. And so yeah, so that was an interesting time in my life, but I was aware on multiple levels, and yeah, that's kind of what happened.
1: As you were speaking, I was thinking about There were signs in the environment, but then more importantly, there was this voice, right? There was this deep knowing. And it may have been a faint voice, but it was a voice nonetheless, right? And so many people fall into that situation where things are going really well externally, but they know that it's not going to last forever. But that shift, that change, that transformation Sometimes, I mean, in business school, they talk about killing the sacred cow, right? So I'm looking out right now at the skyline of Dubai. It's fascinating to see how Dubai has transformed itself into a global city by embracing an emergent mindset. Yeah, Dubai hasn't, they're not an oil rich city. I mean, UAE broadly is very oil rich, but the level of investment into diversifying the economy is mind-boggling. They recognize the need to diversify the economy very early, and they've invested in not just infrastructure that I'm looking at right here, but they've invested in trade, tourism, finance. It's so impressive to see how they have set ambitious goals to reduce their carbon footprint as well, and develop a sustainable infrastructure from solar energy, water recycling, you name it. So Dubai is a great example of how the willingness to see the signs, adapt, innovate, and take calculated risks, that kind of mindset can lead to exceptional results, right? In the same way, you look at Saudi, Aramco, the state-owned oil company of Saudi just recorded $120 billion in net income, highest net income ever recorded in the history of the world. They've been reliant on oil reserves for decades. They still are, right? But they're now starting to grow and they're making significant strides into diversifying the economy as well by investing in technology. I don't know if you've heard, they have this, city called Neom. Have you heard of Neom? I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's this futuristic city built in Saudi. They're building it with a focus on sustainability, cutting edge technologies, robotics, all of it. It's a $500 billion project. I mean, it's so ambitious. They have this 105 mile long glass domed mega city is what it's going to be in the desert. So it's exciting to think that not just cities, but countries are able to recognize these major shifts taking place, still be comfortable where they are, but that deep knowing that this is not going to last and starting to make massive pivots into the future to be able to create a more sustainable base.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. And I'm glad to hear it because one of the most eye-opening experiences of my life was actually traveling to the Middle East and Riyadh in particular. And I missed you on that trip, by the way, and I still regret missing you. I think that was 2017 where I did a mini tour raising money for this green tech fund. And we did Dubai, we did Abu Dhabi, and then we went to Riyadh, and then we went to Muscat, and then we circled back into Paris. But when I went into Riyadh, talk about the misalignment and the gap and nothing against my Saudi friends, but there is, I flew into the city. And then to get to the hotel, there was about a 45 minute drive. It literally looked either war torn or in the middle like under construction, like the city was like entirely under construction. And for those that live in the West and haven't been to Riyadh, there's quite a distinction culturally and what you're allowed to do versus what you're not allowed to do. And some would perceive that as being in a time machine of sorts, not up to standards just with respect to the kind of the here and now. And looking at the disparity between the war-torn buildings and the concrete and the dust and the sand all mixed together and then going into the city with like Dolce Gabbana, Dior and like all of these like luxury goods, like right in the middle of the city. I'm like, I can't put two and two together here. And And that was a crazy year too, just because it was right before the pandemic and things were happening. That's good to see that transcendence and emergence can happen all around.
1: Yeah, in massive scale. I mean, just staying with Saudi just a few years ago, they didn't have cinemas. Women were not allowed to drive. They started listening to what the people want. They recognized the aspirations of their people, again, the environment, and adapted accordingly. I mean, they've made major strides in empowering women and increasing their participation in the workforce, not to mention the fact that they're allowed to drive, now you have cinemas. It's a massive pivot to diversify away from what's made Saudi what it is today, but that emergent mindset of openness, adaptability, willing to take risk, innovation, and aligning the outer world, what's going on externally with what's going on internally because they're going through a shift in values. They're having to align their values with their environment. So, it's a great example of an emergent mindset.
0: I love that. I'd love to tie it back to the individual and some of our listeners that may be experiencing that disparity, but we've established that the inner work needs to happen. And a lot of your clients, I'm sure, are already high achievers from that respect and are constant avid learners, right? But I'd love to just deconstruct where that vision comes from because we see good examples, we see bad examples, we see institutions behaving badly, we see individuals performing at an utmost capacity of just an astute level of class and performance that we just want to emulate. I think of the athletes, our icons of the world, the Kobe Bryants of the world, the Tom Brady's, the goats, right? And you see all these things and you get inspired, yet a lot of people. Will not do that inner work. They see externally again somebody doing so well, or they could level up and say, Okay, I may not get to the Tom Brady level, but here are some steps that I'd like to achieve in order to get there. Where does that start? Like, basically, I'd like to wrap up this episode by looking at how to begin. Do you begin with that vision? Do you begin with that journal entry for your intent? And does it begin with these atomic habits? How have you? achieve that level of success? Does it ultimately start with the vision or does it always come back to those values?
1: I think before it actually, I mean, you mentioned atomic habits, and I think that's an important topic when it comes to building on or achieving success, especially with the examples that you gave celebrities that we celebrate across all facets from music to sports to spirituality, whichever facet we're talking about, the common denominator among all of them, and you see it in the autobiographies as well, is that they had a very clear vision of what they wanted. Like they were super clear on exactly what they want. And once they figured out what they wanted, I found that when I studied these people who've achieved great level of success, they wanted it for them. It wasn't for an external validation. It wasn't because their mom told them that they were gonna be a celebrity or they were doing it because they had something to prove. And that can get you success, but I think it'll only get you success to a certain extent because as soon as you start facing resistance, if it's not coming from deep within, like if that inherent motivation, that drive is, if it isn't self-funded, If it's funded externally, we stop. As soon as there's resistance, we stop. I've seen it in sports. When I sign on for a challenge, and if I'm doing it because all my fellow athletes are doing it, the training that I have to go through for that event, it's not the same. But when I pick an event, a race that calls me, that speaks to me, that I feel a connection to, the training... Leading up to that race is miles ahead. The resistance that I'm able to overcome, the pain that I'm able to endure, for that is miles ahead of something that I would have picked because it was externally motivated or I was getting external motivation. So to answer your question, it's knowing exactly what they want and why they want it.
0: Totally. And I think people get caught up in the results of that labor or the results of that achievement. Because in talking to you even at the inception of this podcast, we were talking about this more as a labor of love. You're like, oh, we've already achieved some level of success. Even if this podcast goes absolutely nowhere, we're doing it because we're having great conversations. And it's yeah. and it's worth it to just document this regardless of whether or not we have 10 listeners or 10,000. That's one way to look at it. Just the process, you got to love the process. And that's a whole other thing. Just because And you're a fitness freak too so you would get this. When you first start working out, you absolutely hate it, especially (laughs) when you're first getting started and you're like, God, this struggle is real and most people just give up. They don't reach that optimal level of themselves. But then when you've been doing it for like years and such a long time, like you get completely addicted to it and you can't live with it and I'm sure you're at that level just the amount of things that you put your body through. But there's a threshold of emergence in which the work starts to feel good. It's the struggle starts to feel good and again, I want to make the distinction between the hustle porn that we see and just surrendering to the moment. This is more around like the external because at some point when you're working out, like the effort feels good, the pain almost starts to feel good and not to get masochistic about it but it's like I know my body is transforming but the result from the other side of this pain just feels so good and again, that's definitely dialed into kind of who you are physically and when you can tie that to a mental state, that's even more powerful. When you can apply that rigor to the work that you're doing that, oh man, I'm doing all of this tactical work. I'm responding to my suppliers and I have all these emails to write and I have a ton of one-on-ones on my calendar because I have a bunch of employees and they're just bitching at me and all of these things, like when you're looking at that process. And you're like, "Eh, this just really sucks. I'm tapping out versus this work feels good. It's leading towards something else. There's something transcendent. There's something emergent about it. Something good is going to come out the other side of it. That's a shift. And it starts with awareness there. So yeah, Yeah. super interesting.
1: Well said. It's trite, but I'll say it. The journey is the destination. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and the host, said something that really struck a chord in me he said most people are average and Mm. that was such a great hook because i i was like what that's it's a controversial thing to say right no one wants to be told they're average but he unpacked it he said most people will give up that's why the figures that we celebrate because they've fallen in love with the process it can get monotonous and repetitive it's the process that they're in love with. It's not the result. Yes, they're always optimizing for the result, like you said, but it's all about the process. It's about extracting, how can I improve this process by 1%? It's that obsession.
0: Last question for you. Can you achieve emergence without the struggle? Or is it just part of the process for growth?
1: Based on where I am at this moment, I'm going to say no. And we can unpack that further. But I think resistance is where we grow. And emergence is all about emerging from resistance, from pain, from transition, from being comfortable, the example that we spoke about. And so, yeah, I would have to say no. What do you think? Your question back at you. It's a hard no.
0: (laughs) It's It's definitely a hard no. I think the examples that we see or the people that I know that have not experienced a sense of struggle or have had pretty much everything handed to them. Their tenacity isn't there. They're not as rigorous. They're not as disciplined. They don't have that level of stick-to-itiveness is necessary to be an entrepreneur or to do great things. It doesn't mean that you can't live a fruitful life. It just means that in order to do great things, there are sacrifices and there's suffering involved. And there's always that level of transcendence that happens from that suffering. But again, that's how the energy and the polarity works in pretty much all of life in everything that we see. So I'd say hard no mm. as well. All right.
1: Maybe this is a question we should put toward our listeners at some point. It's a great question. All right, Nikos, I will see you soon.
0: This was a great chat. Yeah, great chat. Love this conversation. See you around the bend, my friend. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Emergence Now, where we explore the emerging trends, technologies, and ideas that are shaping our world today for you to discover yourself. We hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights that you can apply in your own life. If you want to stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to follow us on social media, where we share additional content, engage with our community, and keep the conversation going. Thanks again for listening to Emergence Now, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode.